grateful that uh, you came. Uh, one of the easy things is that when you know that the pastor is not going to be uh, speaking, stay home. But, uh, but I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, thank you. Um, one of the things I like to uh, get out of the way uh, whenever I uh, speak uh, right up front um, is that I do have a uh, speech impediment. Um, I stutter. Um, it's something I share not because I want you to uh, feel uh, sorry for me or come up after and say, oh, I didn't even hear you stutter. Don't do that, actually. Um, but um, I share it because at some point in the sermon, uh, once or uh, 15 times, um, I'm going to get hung up on something and so everybody knows what's going on and it's not uh, weird or awkward. Uh, that's the reason I share it. Um, so whenever I teach, I like to give a uh, title uh, uh, for the sermon, it helps me uh, nail down like the main idea, uh, uh, what's the uh, basis of the text, uh, what are we going for here. So I'm calling uh, this one uh, righteousness and uh, uh, confidence, because those are the main ideas in this text, uh, righteousness and confidence. So before we dive in, I want to uh, define those uh, words so that way uh, uh, we're all uh, talking about the same things. Uh, righteousness is a right standing uh, with God. So if we believe that God is uh, holy, uh, just, uh, perfect, and if we know ourselves, we know we're not, so how do we have a right standing uh, with God? Uh, so that's what I mean by that. And uh, confidence, I mean uh, surety, that on the last day, uh, that when you stand in front of our Lord, uh, that you will be uh, named uh, uh, righteous. I understand oh, that when I say that, it sounds a little uh, prideful or arrogant that I could say that I know uh, that on the last day when I stand there, uh, that God will call me uh, 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 right. But let me submit uh, that there is a way, and I think you'll see it in this text, there is a way that you can uh, know that you will be named uh, righteous on that day and not be uh, prideful or arrogant at all. Um, so it only seems uh, right with uh, Reformation Day on a uh, Wednesday. Some of you heathens call it Halloween, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Halloween as much as anybody else. But uh, Reformation Day was the start of the uh, Reformation in the uh, 1600s, and uh, Martin Luther uh, kicked that whole thing off, and so it's only right that we talk about him a little bit uh, Luther was famous uh, for saying that the only days on his calendar were this day and that day. So uh, uh, this day he meant um, his current uh, day. That day he meant the day he would stand um, in front of our Lord. And so those are the days that we're uh, talking about uh, this evening. For us it's this day and that day. So how can you know on this day, how can you have a righteousness in this day that gives you a confidence for that day? So that's where we're going this evening. Uh, my goal is that at the end of our time, which I assure you will not be all that long, uh, that you will have seen in the scriptures that righteousness is not measured in a human uh, striving or effort, but it only comes as a gift of God. So let's uh, pray, and then uh, we'll jump into our text. 
Father, we thank you for your word. It's not a light thing to stand up here and teach it. So, Father, I pray for the grace to uh, teach it uh, well. And, uh, uh, Father, I pray that you would uh, use me and that your son would be exalted. Mass is in uh, your name. Amen. So Paul is uh, wrapping up his uh, letter here. You know that Paul was a Baptist because he says, uh, finally, and then he writes uh, 50 more verses. So he says, he says, uh, finally, my brothers, I rejoice in the Lord. He says, uh, to write these things is uh, no trouble and is safe for you. He's repeating himself. It's something he's told them in the past. He maybe uh, wrote to them in the past in a letter that uh, we don't have. He certainly had been there and told them in person. But as we've seen in this letter, he loves them so, so much. This church is special. And so he says, I don't mind repeating myself because it's important and because I love you. Then his tone shifts pretty sharply. He goes on the offensive. He's going after a group called... uh, uh, Judaizers, and we've talked about them in the past, but just as a means of our review so we all know who the uh, characters are here. Uh, Judaizers uh, believed that this uh, new gospel that Paul was uh, teaching was actually a set of uh, Judaism. So it was fine if you believed the gospel, if you wanted to follow uh, Paul, that's fine, but first you should be uh, Jewish which means a submission under the law. Yes, that law that Jesus had said he had come and uh, kept in our place, uh, now they say that you are responsible for keeping on your own. That means they deny the sufficiency of our Lord, and therefore they become heretics. Paul had uh, no room for a false, uh, uh, false uh, gospel with people he loved. If you don't think he hated these guys, uh, Galatians is even sharper than this. I mean, he really goes after the Judaizers hard in Galatians. And I think the reason was because he had sown in love and in blood and sweat for people to hear and understand the gospel. And then as soon as he leaves, these other people that move in and say, well, he's about half right. It's okay if you follow him but you first have to follow the whole law. So the way that that you showed that you would follow the law was by circumcision. It was a sign of covenant that God gave in Genesis 17. It was a sign that you were a part of the family of God. So what they are saying is that if you really want to be in, it's okay to follow Paul, but you also should do this. So let's see what he says about them now that we know who they are. Look out for the dogs. Now when you hear dog, you probably think about like your pet at home who brings you a ball and wants to play uh, fetch or gets on the couch with you or whatever. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, Dogs in his day were not uh, pets that you kept in your house. They were scavengers. They were disgusting. Uh, Think about a town that's been uh, run over by uh, wild, mangy uh, dogs. That's what he's getting at here. It's an insult. It's a very, very high insult. 
Then on top of that, I think he chooses that dog in particular because he's really lumping on the irony. Uh, dog was a word that uh, Jews would use when they talked about uh, uh, non-Jews. Uh, so he's saying to these people, you want to keep the law? You think that keeps you in the family of God? You are uh, what you call everybody else. You are dogs. You are evildoers. You uh, mutilate your flesh. He's saying their circumcision is for them uh, not a sign they're in the family of God at all. It's merely a mutilation of their flesh. It's an act on their flesh that proves uh, nothing about their standing with God. He goes on and says the real uh, circumcision is not an act of your flesh. It's not a mark on your body. It's actually uh, spiritual because he says we are the real circumcision. He's insulting them again saying that your circumcision is fake but our circumcision is real because it's on our hearts. He says we worship the spirit of God and we glory in uh, Jesus and we put uh, no confidence in the flesh. Now we'll go into what he means by it. Uh, worshiping the Spirit of God and uh, glorying in uh, Jesus uh, later. But now it's just important that you get that confidence in the flesh means a confidence uh, with a righteousness that you make on your own. It's good deeds, uh, following the law, uh, uh, doing things like that. That's what he's getting at. He's talking about self-righteousness. And don't we all feel a little uh, drawn uh, to that? Like, I don't know about you, but I think it's a little bit attractive because if you give me a list of our rules, I can keep them, and then I know I'm good. There's something, and I think in the U.S. it's even harder because we love a story of somebody who makes it on their own. We love a story of somebody who was knocked down and not dusted themselves off and made something of themselves and stood on their own two feet. We love it. But Paul is saying that righteousness in yourself is a fool's errand. It accomplishes no good as far as your standing with God. And here's the other thing about self uh, uh, righteousness is that it always wants to play the comparison game self-righteousness wants to stand next to somebody else and measure and prove that it's doing okay so paul says you guys want to play comparison you guys want to stand next to each other and not measure uh keeping the law let's go let's do it so for a few verses here, he basically mocks them because he says, you think you kept the law? Look what I did. He lists off all the reasons why if this were the way to go, if righteousness in yourself, if keeping the law, if good deeds, if that's the way to go, if that's the way that you have a, a, a good standing in front of God on the last day, 
then Paul's number one because he did it as good or better than anybody else had ever done it. In verses uh, 4 and the beginning of 5, he looks at his uh, pedigree. He says, a circumcised on the eighth, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He starts and he says, my parents follow the law. Because at eight days, he couldn't really follow it on his own. So Paul was from a good home. His parents uh, loved the law of God enough that they followed it. He says, not only am I an Israelite, and not only am I in the people of God, but I'm from the favored and elite uh, tribe but within the people of God. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, the pedigree's good. And then, I think we face the same thing. Guys, I come from a good home. My dad has been a pastor for longer than I've been alive. That Bible is my dad's Bible, actually. I thought it'd be cool to teach out of my dad's Bible tonight. My mom prays more than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. I come from a good home. Pedigree's good. It gives me no righteousness before God. None. On top of that, we say, God, I'm from the United States of America. It's got to grant me some good standing with you. Our nation was founded on values that has to count for something. On top of that, we might say, not only am I from the United States of America, but I am whatever, uh, Republican, uh, Libertarian, uh, Democrat, uh, not affiliated, because I think everybody's lost their minds. Whatever it happens to be for you, whatever it happens to be for you, you say, but God, I'm an American of Americans. I get this. We have no righteousness in front of the Lord God Almighty because we are white, uh, middle class, and from the United States of America. None. He goes on in verse 5 and 6 and says, look at my religion. It says, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor. He says, as to righteousness under, blameless. He says, man, I checked every box religiously. Every single box. Says, uh, he, says, uh, he says he's not only a Hebrew, but he was a member of the respected uh, religious uh, law-keeping group, the Pharisees, who not only have followed the law of God, but they made up a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws on the outside of the law of God, so they never would even be uh, near uh, breaking the law. He got the law more than anybody. And then after saying that, as if he needed to say it, uh, zeal. I can almost hear him as he's writing this. You think you've got zeal? You think you're zealous because you uh, circumcised yourselves? You think you're zealous because you followed the law? Man, I killed people for this. 
I've had people that drug out of their homes and not thrown in dungeons. I've separated families. I've seen men die at my hands because they followed this faith because I was zealous for the law. Now this next one for me was a little hard because I read it and I was like, what are you saying here, Paul? Uh, As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now is Paul saying he did not have sin? No, because that would be against the rest of his teaching in Scripture. What he's saying is that he followed the law. Uh, He's saying there was no hint of scandal. There was no hint of sin that he was hiding. He's saying when the law said he needed to make a sacrifice, he made one. He's saying that if you ask anybody that knew him, uh, Paul followed God's law. Paul was very religious. And I think for us, we face the same temptation. We trust our good works. I mean, you're here on a Sunday night in the middle of football season. You have other things you could be doing. Uh, the weather is amazing outside. You could be outside. But you're here. You're in church. It's account for something, right? I'm not saying it's bad to come to church. We want you to come back. But what I am saying is that your good deeds, even if they are uh, serving other people, like giving up money, being involved, gives you no uh, righteousness before God. None. On top of that, you might say, but God... I read the ESV. I read the real Bible. I'm not even reading a knockoff. God, I'm reformed. I love theology. You should see podcast app on my iPhone. You should see my bookshelf. Like I read uh, theology books for fun. God, I get this more than anybody, right? We have no righteousness in front of our God because we are uh, Baptist are reformed, or do a lot of our religious good deeds. Your religion will never be enough. He goes on and makes a shift here. He stopped his uh, boasting in his uh, flesh, in a sense. He stopped the mocking of these guys and not listing off his, uh, his uh, good deeds and showing them that Uh, Measuring up is never going to do it. He's made a shift, and now he's talking about, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, garbage, trash in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. He said, I kept it, but that's not the way, that's not what works. But that which comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith. As Paul looks back over his... uh, Uh, self-righteous scorekeeping of his past, he says, it is rubbish. It is 
trash. It's garbage. He says, as uh, the prophet Isaiah, that his uh, righteousness is filthy rags. We'll never uh, uh, measure up. See, uh, Paul has become the man in the parable in uh, Matthew 13, uh, 44. Uh, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. And he says, he says, uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys the field. That's where Paul has found himself. He's found the valuable thing in the field, and it's Christ. And he is sold and lost it all. And when he says, whatever gain I had, it's important that we understand that Paul had a lot of gain. Uh, Paul was uh, respected, uh, moving up in the ranks in what he was doing, uh, which I'm sure had uh, financial benefits that came along with it. Paul says, I count it all as loss for the sake of Christ. We read the ledger he kept up here, but now he has a new way of keeping a ledger. His ledger now, he's moved everything that was in the credit side and put it on the debit side. And the only thing on the credit side is Jesus. See, he's discovered that the only way to have righteousness, the only way to have a confidence for that day is that you have a righteousness that is not your own. It's a gift of God through faith. It's what uh, Luther uh, called the uh, great exchange. And here's what he meant by that. The moment of salvation, the believer, it's in God's eyes, um, is given the perfect, sinless life of Jesus. That is how you have a confidence for that day that is not based in pride or arrogance. It's a righteousness that is not your own. It's a gift of God in Christ. You see, Jesus didn't just die for you. That's only half of the gospel. See, he lived for you first. If his life had had sin, his death wouldn't have meant a whole lot. But Jesus lived a life with no sin, and he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And now the moment of salvation, the believer is given the uh, standing in front of God as if they had never sinned. That's the greatest exchange I've ever heard of. That is the only way to have a confidence in this day that you'll be uh, called uh, righteous on that day. It's the only way you can do it. It's to have a righteousness that is uh, not your own. So how do we get this? He says, a righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's not by works. It's not by uh, good deeds. 
It's not by who your mom or your daddy is. It's based on faith. It's faith alone and uh, 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 grace alone. And Christ alone. That is the only means of salvation. So Paul goes on. And he says that the accompaniment of this uh, righteousness that you get from Christ is the power of his uh, resurrection. What does that mean? Because these next few verses, I'm going to be honest, I wish that this had stopped it at verse 9. Because at 10 and 11, man, I had a really hard time with 10 and 11. What he's talking about here is the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the uh, resurrection. When you become a believer, you not only are given the righteousness of uh, Jesus Christ, but you are given the power that, that raised him from the grave. That, that's the greatest thing I could ever imagine. And then he says some stuff that, to be honest with you, just sounds a little weird. He wants to share in the sufferings of Christ. He wants to be like him in death. So that any means he may attain the, the uh, resurrection from the dead. What in the world is he talking about? I think it's a few things. I think he's one acknowledging that the life of a believer is a life that does involve suffering. We live in a world where suffering is a uh, reality for us. It's going to happen. I think he's acknowledging that. But uh, D.A. Carson says about this that Paul understood that the master that's the word he uses in the uh, commentary the master uh, Jesus was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with uh, with uh, suffering and so for the believer suffering makes you more like him and what uh, Paul is after here is that for the privilege of knowing the master better, no suffering is too uh, uh, large. Paul says that the end game for all of this is that he may know uh, Jesus Christ. That's what he's after. That's how you get a righteousness that not your own that gives you a confidence for that day that you'll stand before God. Just by knowing Christ. And so my question for us this evening is, uh, do you know him? So are you confident in a righteousness that is not your own? So are you willing to uh, lay aside the allure of uh, righteousness in yourself and good deeds and uh, scorekeeping? Are you willing to lay that aside for the uh, jo uh, joy of uh, knowing Christ? If you've never uh, trusted Christ by faith, my prayer would be that you would tonight. If you want to know more about that, you can uh, find me after the service. I'd be happy to talk to you. That's the end game of all of this that Paul is talking about here. It is 
not knowing Christ. If you're a believer, I would ask you, is there you trusting a righteousness that is not your own? Or, chasing a confidence in your flesh. I was thinking about a good way to uh, tell a story that would illustrate this. And I thought about a story I heard on uh, Larry King Live when I was very small. And I don't know why, but uh, my brain works. <laughs> that's weird, I know. My brain works really weird. Like a lot of things that I read or whatever, I forget immediately. But I've got these vivid uh, snapshots in my mind of things I've heard or read that just like could stick there forever. So uh, Billy Graham's uh, uh, daughter was on uh, Larry King Live. And uh, Larry, I say uh, Larry like I've uh, met him, like we've hung out. and <laughs> I've never met him. Uh, Larry King said, um, he said, uh, so you mean to tell me that you think that people that believe what it, uh, you believe are the only people who are uh, going to heaven? He said, that's what, you, that's what you're saying. And she answered that about as uh, well as I've ever heard. And so if the end game of this is knowing God, I thought this would be a fitting way to end. She said, well, Larry, uh, my daddy's house up in the mountains has a fence around it. There's a gate, there's a box that you can push a button and uh, say, you know, I'd like to come in. It's whoever, you know, I need to come in. Uh, we open the gate. She said, if somebody rolls up and says, uh, well, Mr. Graham, I've, uh, you know, I read all your books, I've heard all your sermons, you know, I give uh, money into your ministry every month. I'm a good guy. Um, I come from a good uh, family. And I do a lot of, uh, of good works. So, you know, I'd like to come in if you'd open this gate for me. She said, uh, my dad's a nice guy, but he's not going to open that gate. She said, but when I pull up, she said, I don't have to say a word. Because I'm my father's child. That gate swings wide open for me. That's what we're after. That confidence in the flesh, that righteousness that you can make on your own, it's never going to be enough. Your family, good deeds, it's never going to be enough. What is enough is the righteousness of our Lord who lived a life with no sin on our behalf and then he died on a cross in our place and then he rose from the grave and defeated Satan sin, and death. So I'd ask you as we uh, respond this evening, um, examine your heart and see, are you trusting a righteousness that was a gift of God in Christ? Or are you trusting that confidence in your flesh? Let's pray.